Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name is Robbie Angle, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Most of us get stuck in our relationships with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? So here at True Face, we equip you to experience deeper relationships with God and others, equipping a growing group of men and women with a toolbox of teaching and experiences to help you become more fully known, fully loved, and fully alive. And on this episode, we have a new friend that feels like an old friend. He is on round two of the True Face podcast. It was so much fun the first time. Carl Clausen from Chicagoland. Welcome back as a repeat guest. You're in you're in rare territory. You oh. beat you beat Bill Thrall, I think. No, Bill <laughs> might be too. <laughs> it's funny. Well, Robbie, it's good to be here. It really is. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to have you on here. Uh Carl is a husband, pastor, author, speaker, adventurer. His he is a passionate leader who has had an adventurous life of faithfulness. If you didn't listen to his first podcast, go back and check that out. Uh, we talked about some of that. He's uh, the weekday morning host on Moody Radio's Carlin Crew Mornings, 90.1 FM in Chicago. And uh, he's the lead pastor of 180 Chicago. He's been married for how many years, Carl? 34 years, Robbie. To J- How do I pronounce your wife's name? J- Janan. 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 Two Great kids? woman. Two grown adult kids that are that are in the tech world big time. That's awesome. Any grandkids yet? No grandbabies yet. Two rescue cats. <laughs> and that's enough right now, but they're awesome. That's awesome. Uh Carl Carl uh is a fellow driven, passionate um guy who is a season ahead of me that the first as soon as we met i was like i love this guy and he feels crazier (laughs) than me which is hard to find um yet we both share a love for adventure of trusting uh god with our lives wherever that takes us we both share a love of a mentor a shared mentor in andrew murray which was a fun connection uh and he just released a book called The Seven Resolutions Where Self-Help Ends and God's Power Begins. So yeah. uh, as a True Face tribe, we talk a lot about grace and trusting God. And Carl gets grace, and he's also an activator and a leader. And so I saw this book come in, in the mail, uh, <laughs> and I said, yo, I can't believe it. I can't wait. I'm getting Carl on the podcast because this is something I'm struggling with. And it's the beginning of the year, and the book is titled The Seven Resolutions, Where Self-Help Ends and God's Power Begins. So yep. beginning of the year, what does this look like? Because this is a big topic of conversation in communities of grace, of yeah. of living into our new identity, but at the same time, what does that look like in following Jesus and everything from disciplines? But we'll get into that. Right. Give us an overview. What led to the book? And then I got all kinds of questions. I'm halfway well, into it, Carl. You're lucky I didn't get full way because we only have 40 minutes. Oh, I'm excited, minutes. though. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're plowing through it. Well, first off, again, thank you for having me here, Robbie. I... Uh, the reason for the book is probably my life and the life of uh, so many people that I've been a pastor of over the years. And if we're really honest with ourselves, there's this gap. And oftentimes it is a big one or it's a frustrating one or it's a conundrum. It's like, how do we get out of this? And the gap is between where we are currently living and the promises of God. Now, I'm not talking about promises in the sense of these fanciful things. I'm talking about peace, abundant life, 
uh, being a thriving witness in our world today, uh, uh, that we are bearing fruit. I mean, John 15, and in what's in this gap are habits and hurt and pain, often church pain. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so my goal with this book is to close the gap between where we're living and where God wants us to be. And, and quite candidly, Robbie, that gap is too big, brother. And what's in that gap and what we try to push ourselves through in that gap is go to church more, attend more, serve more, give more, uh, have the right answers. And we know most people get it, that that doesn't cut it. But out of frustration for having another path, we go back to it time and again. Oh man, uh, that's a that's a worthy cause. <laughs> we feel that gap as Christians, <laughs> that gap. and and walking in to speak into that gap. There's a couple quotes on on page thirteen and fifteen. I I, I wanted to ask you since you were coming on here. Yeah. On one hand, uh, you you say self help is a threat to God's children, mm. and then on the second. Uh, pay, on page 15, you say the seven resolutions are seven core disciplines to help you trust God and not rely on your own strength. Yeah, this is a, this is a huge, this is the dividing line, right, Robbie? Uh, you've talked with me about this as the uh, true face. This is a great, this is the discussion right here. And it's happened forever. I mean, it doesn't end. Um, great theologians have discussed this forward and back. The best way I can describe it is this. Uh, I, uh, I use this illustration a lot. It's even in the book, but this high ridge metaphor works good for me. It's like climbing up to a high ridge and clinging onto that thing, because if you fall off to the right, man, you're going to be mangled. I've been on those kind of high ridges. I mean, mangled, like really seriously injured. And if you fall off to the left, you'd have rather fallen off to the right. That's how dicey it is. And it seems like, Robbie, we fall into two camps, which is grace as, as, as a statement and as a great word, and yet it's incomplete because I am a champion of grace and we need to trust him because God's grace, apart from unmerited favor, which will get you through a seminary degree on a test, is really God's power in us to do what we can't do in ourselves. That's what grace is. So we can say on this side, it's grace with very little discussion about what our part is in this thing. The other side is grace got me saved, but by golly, I better bust my booty until we get to glory. <clears throat> so those are the two sides of the, 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 of the cliff. We got to climb to that high ridge and go, what is God calling us to? Hmm. <clears throat> that is a, um, I mean, I feel like in my faith journey, I have vacillated, uh, yeah. between those two. What, what is the underpinning of that narrow line where we are, um, are walking that ridge line? What, what does that look like to you? Is it, and is that driving the seven resolutions and why you wrote this? You know what it is? It's going to be a crazy statement. It's the Holy Spirit. I am absolutely convinced, Robbie, we have neglected the power of the Holy Spirit to our peril in the church. And I, and I get why. I get why. We've seen the, the crazies on in one o'clock in the morning, and they're fleecing people in the name of the Holy Spirit. And they're talking about the wind of the Holy Spirit and all that. And then we've seen some kind of abuses of the Holy Spirit as a, as, um, 
kind of a catch-all for this is what I'm hearing, this is what I'm feeling. But to our peril, we have ignored the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I used to think I had to have a quiet time, and then maybe this quiet time, the fumes of that would go with me. When I started to realize that the Holy Spirit is in my quiet time, guiding me into all truth, John 14, John 16, and that the Holy Spirit wants to guide my day. And and even when I say that, we're like, wow, what's that mean? I look at the seven resolutions now as a conversation with God by the power of the Spirit to agree with him to to almost tap his power. Hmm so that we might live according to it. So I I want to pull at that for a minute. Um, yeah. You know, the the older left side like we have to do enough in order to get more of the Holy Spirit, that's the left right. cliff. Oh no, uh, yeah, that's the, not the, right. The right cliff is No, we're good. Uh grace saved me, so I'm just going to go on a stroll. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you're you're saying there's something in the middle where yes. it is by his grace that it's the spirit in me, not me, which is yes. the left cliff. But at the same time, there is a engagement and participation of the spirit, which keeps us uh, moving forward and not off the right cliff in the boom, boom, Robbie. And you know, here's what I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning that guys like brother Lawrence who wrote practicing the presence of God and guys like that, and uh, we both do love Andrew Murray, the Andrew Murrays of this world. I think that the evangelical world that has buttoned down discipleship into a course to take has lost the reality that Christ in us is the hope of glory and that God has extraordinary stuff that he wants to do in and through our life. And the Holy Spirit is real and here to move in us. And so... Yeah, I think one one camp has grace for salvation, but we don't have the grace for sanctification, baby, so we better get to work. Um, one camp might have Holy Spirit, yes, kind of lick a finger, stick it in the air. Um, and I, I'm not I'm broad brushing those. Yep. I don't yep. want to be I, I'm that's that's a broad brush. The the guys and gals through history are the ones that are both rigorously accurate with the word of God, humbly dependent and utterly attuned to the Holy Spirit that guides their lives. I just see that, Robbie, over and over again, mm-hmm. over and over again. And I want to be that guy. We were talking earlier and you just said there's there's a humble dependence. Yes. That is a precursor to yep. the involvement of the Spirit which yes. unpack that for me of, of the order of that. Yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit convicts the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. And here's the beauty of that. The Holy Spirit is engaged with us. In fact, the Holy Spirit was so important to Jesus. He said these words, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's crazy, isn't it? What? What? What do you mean it's to your, your it's to our advantage? It's to our advantage that he go and that the Holy Spirit would come. And we have somehow missed that, like the broad side of a barn. Yep. And I don't know if it's fear or a bad modeling for us, but to me, the appropriation of the Holy Spirit is little more than being quiet enough to listen. Here, I'm holding my hand up in the air. Uh, here, kind of above where we live, 
if we can put it in spiritual terms, since God does speak of being above, knowing that he's above the the, the the rancor and the raucousness of this world, the temptation of this world, and we just elevate above. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I, I've, I've experimented on myself. <laughs> this is really cool. When I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, I am a good husband, Robbie. Hmm. When I'm going through the punch list, yeah, I got to be a good husband. Check, 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 check. Ah, that's a pretty poor husband. I have no ability to really hear her soul, my bride's soul, or really minister to her in a significant way. But I want to tell you, when I am listening to the Spirit, sometimes I will stop my car outside the garage door, and I will say, Lord, I'm about to walk inside. I want to love my bride as Christ loved the church. That's your call on me. You don't ask me to do that. Just because it's there, you believe that it's good for me and good for my bride. So, oh, Father, let me be guided by your spirit. And when I listen to the spirit and not the voices in my head, and I mean this, when we listen to the spirit of God, oh, my goodness. And by the way, the spirit of God will always confirm the scriptures, never contradict them. I, I think... Uh... It is so important for us and and how the spirit has been hijacked as in in kind of our cultural church expression and teaching yeah. that yeah. that what what I just heard you say is in humility and dependence of trust it, the spirit being the key to walk in that ledge and and yeah. which is forward movement not off to yeah. the right or the left that is not inactivity but no. it's fundamentally different than the left side Get because busy. What you yeah. just said is incredibly hard, proactive, only as a byproduct um, of of this. If I'm listening, to, if I slow enough to involve the spirit, it does not mean uh, inactivity. You are called to love differently, and love is active and hard and not oh, easy. Oh, yeah. The Holy Spirit, well, well, this is true. So let's take this now. This is from John 14. Jesus said, uh, um, the Holy Spirit will come and he will guide you into all truth. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into revealed truth. And he does that with conviction and promptings and guiding. This is why we find in Galatians 5, Paul says, if you live in the Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So here's what's amazing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will guide you to do tough stuff. But here's, and that's, this is the problem. When you've limited grace to ease of life, you've reduced it down to something God never meant it to be. I'll, mm. I'll, proof, I'll proof text it right here. This is my favorite passage for how to live the Christian life in all the New Testament. Here it is. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God, let me define grace, the power of God to do in us what we can't do in ourselves. Okay. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. You might think, oh, there's a period there. No, there's a comma. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. You know what the grace of God does? There is grace is both saving and grace is training. It does both. Mm. Saving is so involuntary, he called us out of darkness. Training is he gives us the power to go out and bust our booty to the glory of God. 
and it's okay. Man, I want to hijack that second part though. Like the Galatians. <laughs> no, yeah, we can't do that. That's right. We got to go. And there's, and then the fine line gets different. And I see this happen. Like we're heading full tilt in discipleship in our little church plant in Chicago right now. And I know that it was birthed in the spirit and it was born of the spirit. There's no question in my mind. And it is easy for me to go. And now let me sprint with it in the flesh. <laughs> so how do we protect it? The right side of the cliff. And how do we stay on that? You know, I believe this. I believe there's one characteristic that trumps all, and it's in a book that you and I love. It's called Humility yep. by uh, Andrew Murray. Is the book, but the principles everywhere in Scripture. Yep. I I can't get around it. I, he says, and I think he's right, that humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. I I have an opportunity every day. I'm a Type A guy. I have an opinion almost everything on the planet, uh, but I have an opportunity every day to slow down, to humble myself under God's mighty hand, and to choose to say, I come under your authority. And Robbie, every time I do, it is pay dirt spiritually. Mm. So um, I, I, I want to, is that connected? Uh, th this is your heart. So yeah. now take me to the next level of of the seven resolutions and how yeah. how these resolutions are tied to um, your walking out this passion, yes. this burden of doing that. Okay, first off, I see the resolutions as agreement with God to walk in his power. They're disciplines that we move, not in our strength, but in the strength of God to tap into this untold, unbelievable future that God has for us, both on earth and to come. But let me give you a passage that blew my mind. When I saw this in Jeremiah, I saw it with fresh eyes one time because, well, let me read it. This is so cool. This is out of Jeremiah 2, 12 through 13. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. This is what they screwed up on. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters. That's what number one. And number two, have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Here's the bottom line. Thousands of years later, we're doing the same thing all over again, Robbie. We are forsaking the streams of living water. And now this is where I get a little bit different with this. I think cisterns of old are systems of today. And this is what I say in seven resolutions. Let me say that again. Systems of old, cisterns of old, which were water reservoirs carved out of rock, are systems today. And here's what we've done. We've carved out life systems for ourselves, even in the evangelical world, that can't hold water. These seven resolutions are what I see as the primary dysfunctional, broken systems in the average evangelical's life today that need to be repaired so that we can actually become disciples of Christ and have some place to hold his reservoir. So these are the ones that need to be repaired because yep. the, the, these these speak to the seven broken systems through a principle that if we refine it, we move from sister, we move from our own systems and cisterns to his yep. living water. Boom. So you let, you let him repair these areas of your life and look out. 
I mean, we can't cover them all. So let me begin with the end in mind. This is a funny one. So redeem time. You know, if you talk about time redemption now, you know where you go? I can go to James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. That yeah. thing's still top five bestsellers. Yep. Um, I can go to Franklin Covey. In 1990, I read that at 30,000 feet, flying through the air. Um, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Time redemption was top of the list. You go through all this and you go, wow, we, if we're going to talk about time redemption, we better talk about these greats. Whoa. Moses said, teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Paul said, guard your time, man. Unguarded time is a pathway for all kinds of sin. Time redemption is God's idea. And when we do it with a, I've got to bootstrap it, I've got to take care of my day planner, we're going to always fail. When we say, Holy Spirit, help me redeem the time so that I may get a heart of wisdom. You know, God invented the, the day planner thousands of years ago. That's his job. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, these these are just the seven resolutions or seven are seven key areas of life that are generally broken and in disrepair in some way to bring healing and restoration. And here's what's cool. I'm the guinea pig and I'm living it. And it it really is an incredible adventure that bears yeah. fruit. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one, the redeemed time as an example of what you're, what you're saying as a shift as Jesus followers from focusing on the practices, uh, again, tens of thousands of self-help books, which put the onus on us to achieve in order to blah, 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 which totally. is, which is rooted and triggers our pride, which is, I can but blank fill in the blank, uh, yeah. best practice self-help uh, yeah. versus humility of inviting, you know, the spirit, uh, humility as a posture to receive grace, which is the spirit in my life to guide me. And yes. So it's shifting from practices to the principles. And so you're capturing the principles of redeeming time yes. rooted in scripture, which yes. speaks to the posture, not the practice. Yeah. You know, I think in a lot of, and this is, here's the beauty of real biblical time management. Let me just give you one cool nuance. It's a mind blower. A lot of people think that wise people redeem time. Wrong. When you redeem time, you become wise, according to God. Hmm. Isn't that a trip? Yep. Now, th that's what Moses said. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Yep. We've made time management for the Franklin Covey planner guys. Yep. Those are the guys that are high-stepping execs. God's saying, I don't care who you are, what kind of, where you came from. If you're sitting at a well and you've had five husbands and you're currently shacked up. That's the woman at the well. He says, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to redeem time because mm. I am the God who redeems time. He invented it, Robbie. All right. So I'm going I'm to poke out. And I, along these lines, you've got another seven resolution. Uh, one yeah. of them is to kill sin. You're finally putting to death those sins Ooh. that have been killing you. <laughs> so that sounds a lot like sin management and, you uh. know, no, give me context. What does this no, look sin, like to change sin, the mentality? Sin, sin management, by the way, first off, we don't talk about killing sin in the body of Christ. And you know what's funny about that? Jesus talked about it all the time. <laughs> he said, if your eye causes you to sin, 
gouge that sucker out. Now yeah. that's brutal. Yep. I mean, that's brutal. And if your arm causes you to sing, cut it off. So look, I've gone through the scriptures and I've also been a pastor for a lot of years and I've learned something. There is nothing more grace dependent than the man or woman who is killing sin, really. It, it takes no grace to hide sin. It makes, takes no grace to deflect the, the impact of your sin. It takes no grace to blame your sin on your parents and family of origin. It takes no grace to do any of that stuff. It takes no grace to do what most Christians are doing with sin, and that is doing everything but dealing with it as God told us to. So, yeah, um, I mean, to me, nothing requires God's grace and power and humility of ourselves more than killing sin. But this is the kicker. I've, it's interesting, as this book is released, I've had more solid evangelicals. In fact, Robert Lewis told me this chapter alone is a mind blower for him. He said, Carl, he said, nobody's talking about killing sin. They're talking about get it out and you should not be sinning. But, but to me, you need more grace to kill sin than you do to even find it because it's tough to do. I'll explain to you why, because this thing, this is a tough one to take here. But if you think really about killing sin, there's three common themes that I see over and over and over again. One is expose it. What do we find in James 5? What do we find in 1 John? Yep. Bring, Bring it light. into the light. Come on. Get it out of the shadows. Bring it out into the light, right? That's beautiful because exposing it, it sanitizes it. The, the, the second one I'm just going to hit quickly is attack it. When Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. You know what he said? By the grace that I pour into you, take extreme measures to deal with what's killing you. I have seen the most humble guys come to me and ask me to help them make their smartphone a dumb phone by going into their settings in their general box on their iPhone. That's powerful. Taking extreme measures to deal with sin is the woman who walked into a group recently and said, I'm an addicted shopper. Yep. I need your help. I've tried to quit. I've cut up my cards, but I found a way to get cash out. Here's my bank statement printouts. Yep. I'm, I'm being accountable to you. you. Some people might say that's legalism. No, that's liberty about ready to happen there. That ain't legalism. It's a, it's a room full of grace. There's mercy in that house to you name it. I mean, I, there's, it goes on and on. The, the guy that had the fridge that was screaming his name and he kept getting his tail kicked and he's 40 pounds overweight and he couldn't win. Guess what? By grace, he said, I'm going to keep all the junk food out of my home. I'm not going to have anything in my home that when I get weak, I can cave into. I'm not giving those demons a, a, a chance. We got to cut this thing off at the pass, Robbie. And that's just that's just grace-based sin management. It's taken a pick and machete to this thing. The kicker, though, to me, is not ex I do ex expose it, attack it. But then the 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 old there's one verse on sin management that comes full circle back to our our discussion which ain't sin management at all. It's the third principle, overwhelming. Listen to this verse. One verse 
And as you're listening right now, you got something kicking your tail. I'm about to show you something from the word that it's eye popping. Paul said this, Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Holy Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know what he's saying there? Imagine your life. No, imagine your day is a 55 gallon drum. I use that because I worked in the oil fields for a lot of years. Imagine your day is a 55 gallon drum. We have an opportunity every moment to know what we're going to pour into that day. And what we pour into that day is what we're going to get out of that day. You know what Paul says? Pour so much Holy Spirit into your life that there ain't a picking. There is not room for a tablespoon of flesh to get a stronghold. Yep. That's what he's saying. Yep. So it comes full circle back to let's get irrigated with the power of the Holy Spirit. You get me fired up on this topic, Robbie. Well, um, it's interesting in those three steps you just said, expose it, attack it, and then overwhelm it. Um, ex- the expose it in humility is inviting it, bring it into the light scriptural as a, which is a, which is an expression of humility to oh. receive grace from, from God and others. So the others help us attack it and the spirit helps us overwhelm it. You, you have a line in here that says, which that Galatians 5.16 verse is amazing because it's by his grace that we overcome it. It's when we don't invite him that we're, that's sin management where we try, when we white knuckle it on our own accord, where we yes. bring in a light and then we go, so we'll do it. I got this. No, that that's the foolishness. But you said in your book, it's time to fill your life with the spirit. Give God more of your life so sin has less room to run and grow. It is so it's such a lie of the evil one that um, that love, that dependence, that humility is passive. Because as the oh, spirit great. becomes more in us, I mean, there is a faithfulness to trust uh, and allow him to work and refine these areas of our life. Boom, Robbie. It's hard. Boom. And we can't do it on our own. Hence the spirit. He knew it. And it's it's such a weird truth to trust every day the rest of our lives that that the application of this grace is so engaging and active and it's so not us how both of those are equal truths because it's the spirit through us which is grace which is so active and in in receiving what you're you nailed it and and here here's what i think god in his good and divine wisdom did he didn't he didn't reduce grace walking down to a definable sentence or term because we would have abused that too. Yep. It is yep. this holy motion with God. Yep. That you I get and and you could screw up that term if you meditated on that too long. Yep. And and to the cons- like for all of us in my own life right now. Um, you know, Jesus is uh you know, how he loved the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, and it's easy to say now, you know, the, where he left her, which is now go leave your life of sin. Right. Um, and you, you have a, a quote in your book that says without the hating of evil and sin, we diminish our ability to love. Totally. Absolutely. Robbie. Like we, so in our lives, as I'm listening to this, I have different areas of sin. That's easier to avoid, to be passive to, and, and man, it, or like, how do I hate this? So the because he does hate it in us because totally. it leads to death. And he's as a loving father, he's going, Robbie, 
like hate it because I have so much more for you. And I, and, and I've given you the answer of how to overcome it. So for us listening, like this is the journey of sanctification of dying to ourselves and inviting him to replace. Yes. What and, is- and we don't, we don't even hate sin in our strength. We can only hate sin because of the grace of God. Yeah. We didn't even understand our sin until the blinders were pulled down and God revealed to us our need for him. Until then, we didn't have a clue what was going on. So I couldn't agree more. I think I think I did a whole seminar for a group of pastors here at Moody Bible Institute. They came in for a big conference, and I forget what I titled it, something like Hate is Hate is a Virtue or some crazy title like that. Uh, but I, I believe we've also messed up on that front. Hmm. We've we played patty cake with sin when God hates it, and he says. You know, the more we get to hating sin in our life and hate the stuff, not us, but hate the junk of the flesh, then we're going to have more of an appetite to get it out of our life. You think about quarterbacks that throw interceptions. The more they hate to throw interceptions, the more they're going to go into the film room, start watching guys that are breaking on the ball, start watching where they've made it. It's you've got to get to the point where you despise something or else it'll never get out of your life. I, uh, I struggled this weekend. Uh, this is a Monday when we're recording this and, and this weekend I was like grumpy on Saturday. I went down, (laughs) Emily had a honey to do list for me. I had to paint the playroom, which had three basketball size holes in the drywall because we would have swing in the playroom and so i walked down and stepped in a puddle on the carpet because the hot water heater had bust in the corner Uh and so it's like it was just like one of those and so then i painted the room and they mixed the batch bad but then emily was like this terrible gray that looks like purple and so 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 all sunday so i was i was bad mood and rationalizing why i get to be in a bad mood you know and then sunday it was almost like a i started uh like I'm watching a, a sick three-year-old and here I am. So I deserve. And so like last night I'm laying there struggling going, I deserve to check out. I deserve, I deserve. And it was this morning, it was this morning where it was just like, I hate how like I, I, I it was his gift that I just woke up this like longing for a, a, a yoke yeah. to love her, to love my kids, which I did not do the past couple of days. Yeah. And right every, on. everything in me is pulling me to deserve and to rationalize. And Hey, Emily, could you do this in this next time? Or like, you know, say thank yes. you for painting and said it had nothing to do with her, but it's like the tension internally of like rationalizing, justifying it being about me. And then this morning going, Oh my gosh. Like it was even by his grace that I, I hate how yeah. I was a good, freaking Robbie. jerk this weekend to Emily and the kids. I think one of the most sinful things we can do is when God reveals a sin to us is to somehow diminish it or to neutralize it or to somehow put it in a place that is manageable. I think the best way to deal with sin is to bring the ugliness to the surface, own it for what it is, hate it, and, and then get to work on it in his power. By the way, this notion that that grace is opposed to effort, no way. Um, but, uh, who says it? Who says it? Uh, it's Willard. Uh, uh, Willard nails this thing. He says, grace is not against effort. 
It's against earning. Yep. Grace isn't against effort. Grace sometimes causes me to bust my booty because the spirit of God's got me on some cool thing that he's got me going on reading the word maybe, or maybe it's servants, my neighbors and God's grace has got me doing it and I'm busting my butt and maybe I'm sweating profusely. This notion that grace, you never break a sweat because you're licking your finger and waiting for the spirit of God to move you. It's just bogus, Robbie. Even to that effort, like it, what love looks like is exhausting and hard because I get to, I get to repent. I spent time going, God, what is it in my heart and my fear that led to me being a jerk the past two days and my selfishness of thinking I deserve stuff. Yeah. And, and I have to go apologize to Emily and my kids tonight. And it's way easier to not do that and to, you know, move on. And that's the, that's the effort piece of, of love, which is exhausting. And I don't want to go do it. Tiring. It's I'm, tiring. It is. All right. All right. Before I keep going on my issues, I, I want to, I, we're landing, but I, I want you to unpack this for me because I think yeah. this is, this is a, a cool quote in here that stood out. I was like, Oh, I can't wait to process this because this is a tension that there's, there's not good teaching out there that you, you wade into really well. Yeah. Um, and it's captured in a quote that spiritual disciplines are not how we prove our love to God. Uh, our love for God, they're where God proves his love for us. So for, my favorite statement I make. So for unpack what this journey of grace and disciplines has looked like in your own life for us. I can illustrate it best this way. Um, it's in the chapter join God, because to me, joining God is all about how you're getting off on this foot in our relationship with God. Okay. And, uh, you know, for me, there's so many ways to to paint this picture. But for me, it comes down to this. I learned how to water ski at Solid Rock Bible Camp in a little town called Soldatna, Alaska. The ice had just come off the lake, got a cool ski boat, and I got my tips up, I got my water vest on, and I'm just ready to go. And and I was excited. It's stone cold. The ice had just come off the lake, and we're just freezing, but I'm ready. And it's a beautiful ski boat. It's uh, Ski Natik. I'll never forget that boat. And he's out in front of me. And he says, when it goes taunt, you call it, Carl. You call it. My buddies are on the boat, too. And I say, hit it. And I got my arms extended, Robbie. That boat is pulling me up. And I mean, in nanoseconds, I could feel I'm starting to water ski. I'm starting to water ski. And I'm getting just about to break out of the water and get up on top of the lake. And I broke water skiing 101. I took extended arms and I thought, I'm going to give this boat a little bit of help. And I pulled that bar that I was holding on to up to my chest, like 21 inches was going to help a whole lot. And the minute I pulled in my strength to try to help that boat, I did an end over. I went into that lake head first. I got like four lake trout through each nostril. Felt like the biggest nasal flush of my life. My nasal's burning. He comes around, my buddy's on board, they're laughing, and he's he's cool, and he says, Carl, you almost had it, dude. Keep your arms out, let the boat do the work. I, for years, Robbie, and there's so many evangelicals doing this to this day, and I, Robbie, I fall back into this all the time, because I was so steeped in this. I was raised in a really pretty gracious home, but the subculture was 
Bible memory and a church attendance and how you looked and all that was checked in a box to gain God's approval somehow. So when I was reading the Bible, even after being a newly born again, man, I'm, I'm reading it. Yes, because I'm hungry, but I'm also reading it because I got this huge should do weighing on me. I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit in my brokenness and humility showed me, no, Carl, this isn't your reading plan. This is God's reading plan, and he wants to meet with you here. You don't fast to prove that you can fast for three days. God wants to meet you in going without food. And so for me, spiritual disciplines has to move from a way we prove our love to God for the only way that God proves his love to us. And this is why when you pray, be quiet already. God's trying to talk back. I, I, I've got another illustration, and I think it's enjoying God. A commercial fish for eight seasons in Alaska and uh, for salmon. We had a... a, a a VHF radio, very high frequency radio. And the VHF radio, we would depress the button. And I remember a sea captain one day, he, and I forget the name of the tender. I think it was high spirits, high spirits, high spirits, uh, GNM. Let go, right? High spirits, high spirits, GNM. You know, and get static. Yeah, GNM is high spirits. Uh, yeah, high spirits. Uh, we're wanting to make market, which means sell your fish. Let it go. This went back and forth. You know what happened with that boat? We were out in the middle of the fog. We couldn't find north from south, east from west. We couldn't find that ship, no possible way. And we need to get these fish off boarded. That ship gave us compass bearings, told us what sandbars to avoid, how to get there, and on what side to park. And it was through a back and forth that we got those instructions. Most times our prayers are, Dear God, we got a problem down here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes later, we're done yakking. We haven't listened one bit to what the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit said. Yep. And all I'm saying is joining God is this incredible opportunity to let him speak into our life. Yep. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. It is. And it is such a paradigm shift. You, you, you like we you get grace. And so you can say with integrity there where God proves his love for us because you've shed the, yes. the, that, that old lie that that's how you prove your love for God, which I have yes. a lot. Like when we shed that lie, these are just ways that we get him to love us. Just like that. Like if we can't let him reply back to us on the radio then we miss the opportunity for him to love us. We'll, we'll never we'll never go make market and sell the fish. We'll never connect with him. We'll never go up into yeah. the galley and have a cup of coffee with God. I think the uh, I like Willard and Orberg, uh, the soul training. Uh, I was talking to somebody on our team. Uh, Brittany on our team was saying she likes uh, thinking of spiritual disciplines, more spiritual rhythms, just the practices of our life right. to create environments to to receive love for him. And I think one of the easiest and best uh, that's so intuitive as a, as a benchmark to this point you're talking about is the Sabbath. Cause it's like this, yeah. this rhythm, it's a discipline, it's a rhythm, it's a call. And it's like, I, if we feel like we should do the Sabbath in order, like, because it's a commandment, whoa, we're on the left side of the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, Jesus, like y'all, 
this is for you. Like, I love yes. you and I want you to rest because I know yes. you and what you need and create this space. And I don't even do that. And, and disciplines, I think as a, as a, a bearing for me on my view of disciplines through a lens of grace, I try to use uh, the Sabbath is the easier to check the motives of like, the, the way that that's easier to see and Jesus yeah, talks yeah, about yeah. more, yeah. we can uh, permeate into fasting and prayer and all those other things. Of, yes. Man, do I get to go, um, like you said, uh, create the create and protect and prioritize the space for God to prove his love for us by letting us receive his love. How he proves it's, it by we receive it. It's the most amazing thing. And what we've done is... You know, you can, I, this one gets me table pound and passionate because, and I'll, and I'll confess it. I'll confess it. I, I get sucked back into duty bound Christianity yeah. and I'm fighting it tooth and nail by the grace of God every day. And I still get sucked in. So my heart goes out, you know, I'm often so encouraged with people that didn't have a typical kind of evangelical upbringing and they just came out of the streets and they found the grace of God because it's almost easier to get them going because we were trained in all the crazy I was trained yeah in some of the crazy ways of Christianity that aren't Christian at all and and your wiring picked up on every one of those crazy oh, things oh yeah right? <laughs> holy smokes hold it you can read through the Bible in eight weeks ding 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 let's do that reading plan um Carl th- thanks for a couple things one um, wading into this personally in order to capture truths of how you've managed this thin cliff edge of left and right and trusting the spirit in your own life in order to capture the principles that you've learned the hard way to put into a book to help me a couple yeah, seasons behind you to, to apply these things. And, uh, this is a book that, uh, I, I would want to write and I don't have to write y'all. So, uh, if, if you, uh, the seven resolutions in in really practical um grace rooted now what kind of thinking um hinged on in in shifting from um in a, in a dependence posture what that diligence looks like as carl yeah. said moving from if we have dependence and humility then what is the diligence of following jesus look like with practical handles around principles of truth not best practices Go pick up the book um, on Amazon or wherever you get your book. Carl, you're awesome. Um, Thanks, Rob. Share this with your friends. Like it. Subscribe to it. Uh, It is humbling uh, to be a part of this True Face tribe where we're trying to figure out what not, uh, what sanctification and following Jesus and trusting Jesus looks like with our lives. And Carl, it is fun. Uh, to have met you, you, to learn from you, and to have you back on the podcast. We're going to get you on for round three. (laughs) Someday soon, buddy. This is fun, Thanks again. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Carl. Bye.